Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kipley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. So an important conversation today, I have a very special guest with us, Judge Brian Carlin, the surrogate court judge for Burlington County. And uh, really important to get to the nuts and bolts of wills and estates, planning, what happens when an uh, aging loved one passes, you're near and dear, you're grieving, you're trying to handle all the business, or what do we do ahead of that time? And so I'm really honored that a judge would take the time to sit with us today. So welcome, Judge Carlin, to the CarePod. Thank you. So tell me about your journey. That's always our first question here on the CarePod. Uh, your journey in this space, how you got here, how it, how you, what drives you with families, uh, et cetera. I, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, my father was an attorney. My mother was a grade school teacher. I'm one of I'm one of three children. Obviously, I grew up in the household of an attorney and got you know I, I started to fall in love with the process of government and and the law and how things are done and hopefully trying to make people's lives better. I followed my dad into practice. We practiced together with another fellow for about uh, 27 years. 28 years um, before I moved here to Jersey because I uh, married a Jersey girl and uh, <laughs> she she brought me here. My practice, because we were a small time kind of uh, small neighborhood office, was was kind of geared towards uh, the people issues and 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 estates and trust were something that came very uh, easily to me. Um, I I had two great mentors. Uh, and my father and a fellow named Jim Gannon, who was was primarily an estate practitioner, and I I really loved the that area of the practice of law. A because you were helping people, and and you were you were helping them kind of keep the the train on the tracks when they've had a, had the loss of a loved one. Uh, and you know, as I got better at it and came you know came over here to New Jersey to practice. Uh, picked up some more, and and the former surrogate George George Koch was a good friend of mine, and he taught me a lot of the nuance of you know how you process and how you you deal with with this side of the uh, surrogate side of the transactions. Um, I have the good fortune I have a daughter who's now followed is now the third generation of Carlos oh that's awesome here. she that's practices awesome. here, and uh, my two sons are uh, they did not decide to follow us into the law, but but primarily the 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 art of estate and wills practice is one where you know you know the law. The law is kind of black and white and case law. You can look it up. But one of the things is you're dealing with people and, and you're dealing with, you know, the, the little things that that come with, you know, having to face the reality of, of the end of your life and different things like that. For instance, when I started doing this practice, I would go to people's homes because I found they were more comfortable sitting in their kitchen, sitting around the table or sitting in their, their living room and talking about this stuff. And if they needed something, they would feel very comfortable to run upstairs and get it out of the, the, the strong box or out of the desk drawer or whatever. That personalization, that, that, that reaching people, 
you know, I always felt comfortable that when I finished doing a will for somebody, it was what they wanted at that time. And, you know, there, there are certain things that parents feel we, they owe an inheritance to their kids and, and trying to make them understand that, hey, it's your money and your kids want nothing more from you than to, to use your money and enjoy it, you know, enjoy what you've done. And if you leave them just enough to bury it, Fine. You know, so it, it, there, there are a number of things that when you're when you're writing wills that that, that nuance comes into play. But ultimately, um, I, I served in, in Burlington Township uh, politics for years. I was a, a school board member, a councilman and mayor for 11 years. The opportunity came to run for surrogate. and I won. And fortunately, uh, my my friends and neighbors in Burlington County felt strongly enough about my ability that they uh they conferred the honor of electing me a surrogate, and, and I'm now going to be entering into my third year. That is amazing, <clears throat> amazing journey. So you mentioned people issues, right? Yes. What <clears throat> What's the pattern, what's the commonality that you find in terms of prior preparation and what people should be doing now uh, the, ahead of that kind of crucial time? The best, the best advice is you have worked a long time to accumulate, and, and George Carlin was an old comedian who used to say, accumulate your stuff. Mm. And you have the right to give away your stuff. But you can the, the one way you control that is by writing a will. The last will and testament is where you sit down and you write a, a document where you make disposition of your worldly assets. And the nice part about it is there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's what you want. And what that, by doing a will, it allows for an orderly process after you go to, to do disposition. So it's always advisable for people to, to reach out and consult a, an, an estate practitioner or an attorney and sit down and start to do those documents that kind of move you into the end of your life. And, and it's not something old people need to be doing. It's something young people should be doing. You know, every change of life, you should be looking and seeing, do you have your plans in place? Uh, because, you know, when you're when you have younger children, you're worrying about trustees and guardians for the kids. When you're older, you're worrying about, you know, having enough for you to survive on and things of that nature. So when you go to the attorney, you should be looking for, for basically three documents, uh, a last will and testament, a power of attorney. Now, power of attorney is not always... If, if husband and wife are alive, it's not necessarily as necessary as if only one of you is alive. And, and, and because, you know, generally everybody owns everything jointly with their spouse. Uh, and the third one that, that is, is to make sure you have your health care stuff in, in place by having an advanced health director. They're not, uh, they're, they're, they're not, you know, they're all documents that you really need to sit down and have a serious conversation about to you know make sure you have things in place and 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 we for us in our office the will and and in my capacity as judge of the surrogates court it makes things clearer it makes things we I, there's not a lot of of judicial discretion that's involved because when somebody brings a will in and they present it to us i have to sit down and my primary obligation is to to determine if it's a will and that is is it in writing, signed by the testator, and witnessed by two people? That's basically what the law in New Jersey requires from a will. 
in order to probate it, there's a second step, and that's calling ha having proof of execution or determining the will. And that can be done in two fashions. One is a self-proving affidavit that's another page to the will where the testator, meaning the person who writes the will, and the two witnesses um, sit down and they sign an, an, an oath or, or certification saying they were there, they saw it, and this is the last will and testament of, of the testator. Then there's a legal term as a jurat where the, the, the notary sits down and says, the testator and the two witnesses have appeared in front of me, this is their signature, this is their oath, and they sign it. If I have a self-proving affidavit, I don't need proof of witnesses, okay? If there's no self-proving no self-proving affidavit, then we would send you what's called a proof of witness form. And one of the witnesses would have to sign that before I have a record to be able to exercise my judicial discretion and sign it and say, this is the this is the will and you are the executor. So that that's important. And, and as I said, at, at present it in the light of an alternative. If you don't have a will, um, your estate passes via what's called the Intestacy Act. Uh, you know, it is a statute that has been developed by the legislature and over a period of time. And they set out a uh, a list of they set out a, a plan for who inherits. And generally, it's it's determined by relationships. So in New Jersey, the, the you know you start with surviving spouse. Then if then there are children. Then if there's no surviving spouse and children, you go up the chain to see if there's parents. And you know, and then off on various branches where I spend a little bit of time on the whiteboard every once in a while with an estate doing yeah. family trees. Um, so <laughs> you know, and, and the other kicker with with an administration is because that is is you're required to post bond you know mm -hmm. if you serve as an executor and for instance you have three siblings who are also intestate heirs you we have to have you post a bond to um ensure they're going to get their 25 percent piece so there's a little bit of cost to that whereas if when you're writing a will i probably wrote 800 maybe 800 to 850 wills during the course of my career. Every one of them contained the, the, the clause, my executor shall serve without bond. So it's it's might be a couple hundred to a couple thousand dollars, but there's a savings to it. So, and, you know, in today's age with everybody, particularly young people having student debt, it, the question is whether they're bondable. So it, it, it eases a lot of problems and, and streamlines the process. So, okay. And let me just reel back a little bit. Sure. Family person passes, they have a will. Okay. They come to you now. That is the next step to come to probate. Yes. What what happens is if so, if someone dies with a will, the first thing you do is you make sure they're properly buried and and that their remains are taken care of either by burial or cremation. We sometimes have issues that pop up with regards to who's the funeral designee. That's why when you go and you talk about doing the will and the, and the attorney, you designate a funeral agent who is able to go to the uh, funeral director and the funeral director is comfortable saying this person has authority to make plans uh, for the funeral, make determination as to what's to be done with the remains, whether it's going to be the traditional burial or, or a cremation, and gets to determine where the cremens would go if there was a cremation. 
So, you know, that's, that's first and foremost. Under New Jersey law, you know, there's a cooling off period. So you're not ever going, you're not going to be able to, to raise, uh, to come in and do a probate or ask for letters of administration in an intestacy until uh, it's five days from the date of death for an administration. It's 10 days from the date of death for the will. Okay. Generally, it takes three days, four, three or four days to get to the burial. You have to have the death certificate. So if you're a New Jersey resident and you lost a loved one, you would call this office and make an appointment and you would designate whether it's probate or administration. Since you asked me the question about probate, what, what will happen is you will be scheduled for an appointment. Uh, right now, we're probably at anywhere from, from a two-week to 20-day time out from your call to your, your appointment. Uh, you will be asked to prepare and bring certain documents. When you come to the surrogate's office to probate a will, you would need you will need a copy the original last will and testament, um, the certified copy of a death certificate, the death certificate evidencing the death of of the decedent. Look at the terms of the will. If it's a situation when you write a will, when you name an executor, sometimes it'll be I name my wife Susan, and you know if in the event she predeceases me or is unable to qualify, my son you know Stephen will be appointed. So if there's somebody in that chain who's deceased, we would require a proof of death for um, that individual. So in that case, moms, uh, we would need a copy of mom's death certificate, or if we have something on file here, we would use that. So you, you'll come to the office, and what will happen is the young lady at the front, of the front office will take your information, give you a clipboard, and let you fill out an information sheet. She will take it back to one of our three to four probate clerks, and um, they will start to enter the information into the computer. They then, you'll come back and you'll sit with them and, and they'll walk you through the different aspects and what's going on. They'll confirm the information and then you'll be asked to sign two, basically two pieces of, of um, uh, two, two items when you come in here that are prepared by staff. One is an application for the probate of the will, all right, and that's a very simple, the decedent died on such and such a date, that someone, you know, you are the, the, the named executor, you're asking for, um, you're, you're asking to have the will probated and be appointed letters of or letters testamentary. Then, you know, there's a list of who the, the next of kin are, and then you would sign that under oath and say that would like us to grant letters. The second one is your qualification and authorization for me to accept service. That's daunting because people are taking an oath, number one, and then they get a little little concerned because they don't know me from, I'm just a name <laughs> on the door and a signature on, on, on letters. Why is the surrogate get service? Well, the reason is, is if you are the executor and, and a creditor is suing you or some suit involving the decedent, is is involved and they can't find you they serve us and that's mm. good service for those type of things but people get really antsy about it and i have to go explain and introduce myself uh you know and say hey i'm the guy who's going to and we're doing this administratively i've got no interest in this uh and then and then more importantly under that document you you take an oath that you will well and truly administer the estate according to the terms of the will and according to law um once that's done 
probate clerk brings it in. Um, we review it. I make sure that everything's in place to be able to enter in order of granting, uh, probating the will and granting letters. Um, I will sign that and uh, the clerk will generally take it to the front and, and process it, at which point I generally with will walk in um, and, you know, introduce myself to the executor and the family, uh, express my condolences and, and kind of just make them feel at ease that to know what 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 it is they've been through, if they have any questions about their authority. And remind them that if there, there are specific questions about the administration of the estate, uh, we can't answer them because that's legal advice and they should consult an attorney. But um, when we talk about, you know, when, when we go back to our, what you, you started this podcast with, one of the things I have a tremendous amount of respect for my staff is they are a group of, of uh, young ladies who, who have tremendous empathy and tremendous, they, 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 everybody who comes through that all through their respective offices, and we do 17 in-person probates a day in addition to what we do, might do by mail-in or attorney's uh, mail-ins, every one of them is a personal chapter or episode. They have a great ability to make people comfortable, reach, and, and they're wonderful listeners. They get things, and they all have their, their certain people who come in. And I know which one to play to their strength. For instance, you have an older gentleman who's been married for 70 years. He's been married for 60 years, suddenly loses his wife, and he's lost. And he comes in, and he's wearing a, a veteran's hat. I know there are at least three members of my staff that will, will stand on the desk and jump up and down if he asks them because they just understand how vulnerable he is, and they make him, make him feel that he's got control and, and things of that nature. So that aspect of it, while while the mechanics of the legalese is straightforward, and yeah, we we have different things where we got to say we got to get this, this got to get that. Personal contact is is uh, is something that we take great pride in in this office. And as I said, my staff is they're as diverse as possible, a, a, a different people and come at different ways, but everybody who leaves here feels as if they've gotten their attention, every, you know, and in that 45 minutes to an hour, they were the focus of what was important to them at that time. That's so important. It's so important. Impactful caregiving begins with you. Become an educated and empowered caregiver to best serve the one you love. Impactful Caregiving offers online geriatric certification, personally curated items for the older adult person in our caregiver shop, Jerry telehealth options, and of course, your personal dose of inspiration here on the CarePod. Go to impactfulcaregiving.com. Because I, you know, as you know, across many specialties where we lose that interpersonal communication and sense mm -hmm. of walking in the other's shoes. So, so, so important. So can you define just probate? Like, what does that mean? Probate uh, means something different in every state. Um, I, I started my practice in Pennsylvania. Probate was the way that we would refer 
going to the register wills office in that case and getting letters letters of administration or meaning an intestacy or probating the will new jersey it's a little more black and white it's two it's actually two different um they, they treat it as two different distinct processes obviously we just described the probate process the probate process is merely the formality of presenting the decedent's last will, the, the, the decedent's last will and testament to the surrogate's court with a request to have the surrogate probate the will and grant the person who has authority letters testamentary. And then that is the probate process. We talk about asking for letters of administration. That's the different process that there's no will there. So that's gotcha. more driven, that's more driven, that's more paper, and that's more driven by um the the familial relationships. So when we have that, that they're the the ones where we frequently have things where people don't always bring us all the information. So we have to get it and send it back and things like that. And just kind of globally, the administration process is one where you would need the death certificate. You would need, um, you know, basically be able to provide us with a family tree so we can determine, A, who is the first eligible party to receive letters uh, under the statute. And when I say the letters of administration, and then we would ask for, for, once we've determined the relationships, we would ask for, if it's appropriate, things called renunciations. Renunciations are, are required because, as I said, go back to my example of you have three siblings and, and there's no parent, uh, you know, there's no surviving spouse, so it's three children. Each of you has an equal right to serve as the executor or the administrator. In order for only one of you to serve, the other three have to say, we agree to that or we renounce our right. We have to extinguish their right before we can give you letters. If they don't, then the way you get that done is the, is, is another matter of filing it in Superior Court. And that's probably a conversation for another podcast. So, so, uh, yeah. Once we know who it is, we also get what's called a, a, a statement of assets where you tell us what the decedent owned. That's critical because that's where we determine what the bond is. And if you have to have a bond, we send you out with a list of, you know, the the the, the businesses in the area that do uh, bonding work and let you go and get your bond. And when you bring the bond back, we go through the whole process and sign out. The key for both an administration and the the, the, the most important thing people always ask us for when they come in for either a probate or an administration is the, the surrogate certificates or the short certificates. Um, and, you know, people are told you need a short certificate and they, they ask us for that. The short certificate is basically a, a document that is evidence that it's signed by the surrogate saying that on such and such a date, you were appointed as the administrator or the executor of the estate and that you have full authority to carry out the, basically stand in the shoes of the decedent to carry out their affairs. Um, it, 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 since we have Willy Wonka's movie out there, your golden tickets uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, these are the things you walk into any bank to DMV to, and, and you present that in the death certificate 
and you carry out, you you basically can do with the decedent's assets what they want, what you what what you can close out accounts, you can transfer titles, things of that nature. So yeah, so let it, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. So that's what I'm trying to to clarify because what <clears throat> I hear what I hear you saying, or what I you know reading between the lines is it really behooves us all to have all of these things in place yes. ahead of time. And then, so now I, so then we have these things in place and the probate actually allows you to execute what the will has said, correct? Correct. Okay. And so then now the former would be, you're not prepared or whatever, forever the reason there was no delineation of tasks or designees, et cetera. And so now you sit with legal, you get all of that straight, but that can be very involved depending on the family the siblings etc it's a more complex process and you're correct um you know people be people react strangely on differently on Mm -hmm. the death of a loved one we all Mm -hmm. grieve differently so you know you hear all kinds of different things no i'm not going to let you serve because a i'm the oldest or b you know Mom loved me more than you. Know, you loved me more than me, or I love me more than you. You hear, yeah. you know, you you have all those things, and 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 you know, it, it's almost borderline issues you hear in family court that we hear in the probate side. Except the principal is deceased here, and they're a party in the in the family court. So you know, the the normal family squabbles and the normal interactions uh, are very very common here, and and you know. And and like I said, we're we're really doing a, a, a 101 level discussion. Yeah, and there, yeah. There there are just so many different little nuances under the statute that you know how people can derail. Even if you have a will, they can derail the probate process by trying to challenge the will, and that's done by a process called a caveat. And a caveat simply says, "I object to the filing of the will." It gets filed here. I, as the surrogate court judge, lose jurisdiction. Because mm. once that child, once that once that is filed, the judge in superior court decides who, is, you know, whether the will should be probated, and then they can prove the person challenging can prove undue influence, you know, um, uh, lack of terms. But and hopefully nobody will ever have to address them if the wills are done right. So, Ahead of time, uh, you know, yeah. uh, it's it, it's it's you know, yeah. it is it is a process. And as I said, for from our standpoint. We'll do whatever people bring to us because that's our obligation under the law. For them and and for the people coming to us, it is much easier and much clearer if the testator has set forth um, what they want done uh, and they've spelled out specifically for their executor how they wanted to do it. That allows people who have lost kind of control because of the death of the loved one to have some certainty and some control that allows them to get closure of maybe a little easier uh, uh, what, you know, what is going on. And the nice part is whoever the executor is can say, yeah, that's what dad, mom, brother, sisters wanted. And, and, you know, I encourage, as I said, I encourage young people to, to get wills because, you know, we, we see, we see, you know, uh, decedents from, 25 to to 105 uh, come through this office. So you never know. And, you know, if you have, uh, you know, a family or you have a wife or, you know, things like that, it's important. 
um, because you know some of these uh, d fatal diseases strike younger and younger these days. And so you know it, it's always good to be prepared, and it's always good to to do it. I also recognize that sometimes um, it is incredibly difficult for people to do it and come to grips, but it, it's it's a conversation that that everyone should be having. And, right. you know, and, and I think as it, as we have a generations coming behind me, I know my kids are very conscious about, you know, their, their finances and what's going on and how to do that. And they've gotten married and, you know, they're, they're working through those, those things themselves. Uh, you know, they're also of an age where they're indestructible and, mm -hmm. you know, or think they're indestructible. So, you know, but they're, they're getting to it and they're discussing it and it's, and it is important to do so. Yeah. And it's important, you know, I, I was just having that conversation with a friend of mine the other day that, you know, you, you finish all your education. It's like, I'm going to buy the house. I'm going to do the things, but in addition to those things and the before you do's is to have that conversation with your parents when they are more agile and mobile and still employed and all the things to say, you know, what do you want this chapter to look like? Like, that's a conversation to have as a younger adult. I agree, but do so cautiously because hmm. parents have a personal, a great, great deal of, of pride. Um, you know, I have a, a mother who's 88 and she's, fiercely independent has always been and you have to pick and choose your time for those conversations because yeah. they want that independence they want it you know so you have to frame it kind of delicately but but I think most parents will raise it with their children uh before the children have an opportunity to raise it with the parents because uh you know that conversation up is one where you know you're threatening and and suggesting that mom and dad may not so you you really have to to temper it but if you can have that conversation by all means do because it it makes life a little clearer um but it all you know and and it makes makes it it allows everybody to understand that when that will is produced and presented to the court and probated that it clearly expresses the true intent Mm -hmm. of the person who wrote it. So question, the you so the will is not sufficient in an unto itself. Is that <clears throat> correct? The will the the last will and testament, if you're alive, the last will and testament is is just your last will and testament. It's not it's not has no binding authority, has nothing. So it becomes final when you, your time on this earth has has terminated or finished. So that's the will you have. And you can't take a will to a bank and say, this is the will. There's a process in which we go through the, the orderly process of, of closing out someone's affairs has to come to us or Superior Court, and we grant letters probating the will. Okay, yeah. So that that is a very key point for the audience that, mm -hmm. you know, just simply having the will, having it notarized, sitting with the legal, that is a major step, but not the final step. So now loved one has passed on, it needs to be formalized, probated in order to execute the wishes of the aging loved one or the loved mm -hmm. one that's passed. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. What do you say to people that say, listen, I don't, you know, moving kind of on to estates, et cetera, I don't have anything, you know? 
What do you say to those that, people? That first off, first off, that tends to be a, a, a lawyer question to a certain extent because you never know what assets might pass via a will. You know, one of the things we see commonly today is unclaimed property. Mm. We have people who who died in 1999 come in here to get you know uh, a, a letters of administration or a will to be able to go to the state and claim unclaimed property. Um, you know, and and so you know, it's there's always something out there. Uh, you know, and, and and that question that you raise are people who who generally have some of the largest estates. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll see, but their 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 sense of humility, of mm -hmm. you know, I worked hard, I got this, I'm living comfortably. The, the suggestion is go talk to somebody. You know, a lot of lawyers will do do initial consultations for free. Or now, I just go and say, hey, this is what I have, this is what's there, and you know, uh, it can't hurt to say it. But you know, a simple will is two pages. I you know, I I give, devise, and bequeath my the rest residue remainder of my state where whoever was situated to my wife or my husband. And if he or she doesn't survive me, I want to go to my three kids and I appoint, you know, my husband and or wife as the executor. And in the alter and in the alternative, I appoint my, my daughter or son. Um, and, you know, so you at least give yourself something that if there is something there and, and remember, you know, you also have a lot of have people who might perish in a in an accident or as a result of you know some negligence somewhere that those could become big assets. So you, mm -hmm. you 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 while you don't have it today, it doesn't mean when you go you're not going to have something there that you know has some value. So I say I say to everybody, if you're thinking about it, go consult with a professional. You know, a consultation, if I know what the consultation fee is, talk to them and, you know, then you, you at least feel better. You yeah. know what, you know, and, and you're, and more importantly, you're making a knowing decision as to what your parting gift is going to be to your children or, 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 or family. Meaning that, are you going to send them with a will with an orderly process, or are you going to make it a little more challenging in terms of an administration? Yeah. Join the private Facebook community, International Caregiver Exchange, a global community of caregivers. Come on in and catch a glimpse of my own personal caregiver journey, all while being educated and encouraged. International Caregiver Exchange. So in this technologic society, have you seen uh, or what have you seen come through? You know, I've I've heard I've heard these kind of whisperings of, you know, who's going to take over your Facebook page, or you know, those <clears throat> those who have small businesses or who are entrepreneurs that have, you know, a, a social media legacy. Um, have you seen any nuances around those topics? Yes, and that an intellectual property. Yes, we we have seen that, and and. When you have social media, the biggest issue is being able to get um, to photographs and those type of legacy type things on a website. Um, it's evolved over the past several years. There was a federal act that gave um, a designee uh, 
the authority to go and access their account. A lot of people will share uh, will share uh, you know their passwords with a loved one or or their their executor so that they can just act as if they never passed. New Jersey has adopted a statute that that says if you're the executor of an or an administrator of an estate, you have certain rights to, under the law to be able to go and get information. You can't get total access to the 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 social media account. You can get the the those historic things like photos, things like that. But I mean, if you want the text messages between you know uh, your your brother and and you know a friend somewhere. You're not going to get them. Um, you know, police have difficulties getting them. But one of the things that it allows us to do is if there is a social media account and they have the password and they, or at least they know what the account is, we can take the act and issue an order saying that you as the executor are the designee to be able to receive information uh, from the social media account. Businesses are a little little more complex because a lot of people own the businesses in a corporate setting, and and a lot of this a lot of this the social media companies have gotten are are probably faster than the legislature in addressing these type of issues. So one of the things you should do is for each of your social media accounts is look at the terms of your contract, look at the terms of whatever your your agreement is to be able to be part of the platform. And that will you might be able to dictate in there who should be getting your you know your getting access. So to manage you know, it. Mm -hmm. they do that. But but the corporate side, you know, again, anybody who has a small business or um is 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 as successful or any type of small business should have some kind of will and some kind of uh, uh planning in place to um for the to allow the corporate existence to move forward you know, buyouts and and then there's different techniques lawyers will use, uh, like life insurance policies to be able to buy out interest. And, and yeah, that that's something you really do do need an attorney to go talk you through. But at the social media, the, the social media area is uh, expanding. One of the issues that's currently pending before the legislature is a concept called electronic wills, uh, mm. where a will is executed much like people are executing uh, real estate contracts where you've got an electronic signature. That is in, that that is an interesting discussion because for back to the the English common law, one of the ways you could ex could determine the intent of the testator in, in in determining whether a will was valid or not was the signature of the testator. There's nothing that says this is what I want without that that we refer to it as a wet signature but I could sit here today and I could send something and prepare a will and have my signature look exactly like yours because they're all being produced by a, a program that has a limited number of signatures so it, it for me I, I haven't seen enough that I'm comfortable suggesting I understand it provides something more than requiring the good old fashioned signed originals. And, and I know people get frustrated with us because we tell them we can't probate a photocopy. You have to go to court to do that. But the fact of the matter is our obligation is to make sure when I sit down and I sign an order probating a will 
that I am confident that it is the that it is the last the, the will of the decedent. It's their act, and it clearly expresses their intention. Yeah, and so, I yeah, and you is. do it with honor, clearly, <clears throat> and your you. staff, which is that's yeah. that's amazing. It really is. It's transparent you. leadership. You know, you're, you're my kind of judge, judge. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I, like I said, I I I take I take the you know I'm a private or a public servant. And and I you know you heard me use the expression before. I didn't get too wrapped up in the title or the position because I know I'm just renting it for five years. <laughs> and right? if I'm going to continue to do it, it is going to be because of the the consent of the residents of Burlington County to say, hey, you've done a good job, and we'd like you to have you continue. So I I've you know as I said, I grew up with an old time uh, a, a lawyer and politician who taught me that when you're in these positions, you serve the people and, and you try to treat them the way you would want to be treated if you were in their shoes. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, it's a privilege as a, as a public servant in a different manner, Mm -hmm. you know, it is a, it's an honor to be able to enter into the space of a family and hear their stories and uh, walk in their shoes and, have the ability to utilize your training to affect change. Mm-hmm. So it's important. Yep. Uh, so close us out. Tell me, give us the top 10. We're, we're starting out the new year 24 with this episode. Top 10 things to do to get your house in order. To get my house in order? Yeah. Well, the first is to follow the guidance. Of, the top one is to uh, follow the guidance of the lady I've been married to for 33 <laughs> years. <laughs> Uh, she has navigated me successfully through the thir- last 33 years and to uh, and and I suspect she hopefully I'm hoping she's going to continue to do that with me. Um, in terms in terms of what we do here uh, as I said we're, we're customer service oriented um, we are we're, we're going to try to continue to live up to that top standard you know I, I am a proponent of training my staff so I'm trying to go across the board where, Everybody, you know, this office, we do a lot of things. We do the 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 the, the stuff regarding decedents. Um, we also do guardianships. You know, we we see people have a, a lot of, you know, particularly now that we're we're identifying young people with disabilities earlier in life, and older people are living much longer. Um, we have seen a great growth in adult guardianship proceedings. Um, Younger people, because once they turn 18, they're they're effectively uh, reached the age of majority and able to make decisions for themselves. So, you know, you have parents are coming in and doing those applications. You have people who are older and obviously with Alzheimer's and dementia and the many different disabilities that come come as we age, maybe not so gracefully, but age, um, you know, we 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 have somebody who has to stand in in their shoes and help make decisions for them so we do a lot of adult guardianships we do you know we we we're we're the record keeper for the county Um, Mm. we we when when wills are probated here and they're trying to track title for real estate and everything like that we're the official office this is the office they come to to get all that information to confirm chain of title and things of that nature we do uh, uh, the guardians uh, or uh, minors work where um, we hold funds for minors until they turn 18 in a in a segregated account. So we're kind of the utility infielder of the court system where, you know, all these things come here. But that's a long way of getting to my point. 
Um, I want my staff trained in all of them. You know, in the past, it was easy to kind of say, you're this, you're that, you're that. And, it, you know, and what, what happens if, if somebody's out for a long period of time, suddenly you're, you're, you're juggling and, and dealing. So we, I've wanted to develop a bench here where if somebody's there out, somebody else can step in and we, we have the ability Cross to, train. To, yeah. to do that. And, and that's more of a management thing, but, but at the end of the day, it's so that we can continue to provide services to the rest, you know, uh, and, and, you know, and, and it's it, good health and those things. I mean, I, I don't think I can get to 10 to be re really, really honest with you, but, but as I said, you know, at its, at its core, it starts at home with me yeah. and, and my family and, and, you know, and then, you know, we come here and, and this is the, for lack of a better term, a second family. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're just a little more different and a little more complicated. Uh, yeah. and, and you, but, but as, but they, despite their differences, they, they are a great team and, and we, we try to, uh, do what we can for the residents of Burlington County to provide them the best services possible. So, yeah. um, you know, so what I say, I guess, top 10 for the takeaways, I should say. <clears throat> For the top what 10 you for the takeaways? Oh, yeah, for, for, for the... First, first, first and foremost, um, have a will if you can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, go and start to plan. Uh, we're, I, I know people, you know, we, we become planners. So go out and consult with a professional or look online. You can get them online. But, uh, you know, I, as I said, the, the online is kind of a... They're, they're more, you know, boilerplate. Uh, whereas if you go to an attorney, you sit down and you have a human being, you talk to him or her, and you know that those little things are tailored, you know, for what you want. So, so that's first and foremost. When you come into, when when you lose a loved one, you know, it, it is a process. You get through that initial stage with the funeral director and, and the burial and, and you give them closure. And at that point, you start to come to us you uh, and and I hope we've given you an understanding of what you should expect when you come here. Um, as I you know, as I said, we 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 operate with sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Um, you know, sometimes not as good as we should, but 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 that's what you should be expecting from us. Um, we try to answer questions uh, as as well as possible. And and but as you said, as you go through the process and you're thinking. You know, look at look at who's going to control your funeral in New Jersey. You have the right to buy uh, a prepaid uh, uh, burial insurance. You can go through the funeral directors to to do that. You can also kind of get an idea for what you would like planning wise. Uh, I know in Pennsylvania they'll actually let you set up a prepaid funeral. Uh, but again, it's distinction between your states, and I know you're you've got a global audience, so you got to look at what your state your states. Uh, law is um you know but even if you don't make sure you and particularly if it's if, if there's no surviving spouse you know designate somebody that you want to make those decisions for you um and and because it can get messy it can get uh, it can get difficult um and you know at, with regards to your to your uh, social media you know, look at what the terms of, of service are with your with your provider. You know, it, it's interesting. I, there there was an article the ABA put out that one of the things they they talked about was share your password with the person you want to know. Well, you know, we've spent 
I think I'm, I'm I think I'm a little older than you, but I've spent a lot older than you. Um, we I've spent you know <laughs> my life with people telling me protect those passwords, protect those passwords, and then in what and as we're accounting for death, you're looking at oh well, let every let so and so know what your password is. That is is a challenge. So you know you you need to find what your comfort level is with with that. And the last takeaway is look. There are mechanisms that are the right that that are set out a process for you doing wills and closing things out and and you know what happens after your death and how they do that. But the most important thing that I took away from 35 years of practicing and doing this is when you sit down and you do your will. I don't want to use the term there's no right or wrong way to do it, but but what the want at the end of the day is that your affairs in, are in order. So that if you have that tragic um, accident or you just, you know, your time here on earth is, is finished, um, that you will be comfortable going to your to your your final resting place to with the knowledge that you have things in, in place the way you want them. And, and that's kind of the goal. You know, those of us who remain after you, will try to make sure that the road is smooth for your loved ones so that they can grieve appropriately and 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 get some closure. Absolutely. Such an honor to sit with you and so thankful that you took the time Thank you. to to share. It's really an example of how leaders should be. So I I, I appreciate you. Okay. So, Thank you for the invitation. Thank and you everybody so much. have a, have a wonderful <laughs> remainder of the holiday season. And have a happy and blessed New Year. Absolutely. Great information right from the source. For more information on how to care give like a boss, check out impactfulcaregiving.com. Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at carepod at impactfulcaregiving.com.